Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. We're your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Our guest today is marketing expert, author, and speaker, Jim Rowe. Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. It is my pleasure. You have a very interesting background. And so before Stan and I jump in with a bunch of questions, I wondered if you would take just a couple of minutes and tell our listeners just a little bit about kind of your history and what led you into the industry where you are now. Well, what led me into the uh, history, I'm, I'm a marketing person, and I'm a brand, I say I'm a strategic brand marketer. What led me into it is I started out college as a math major, and I partied so much freshman year that my I couldn't uh, start all over again, so my father suggested marketing when I was 18 and a quarter. So I've been in marketing ever since. And I uh, started out market research, which was great because in those days that was digital, you know, that had numbers to it, you can prove things. And then I moved through the ranks of brand management. My first brand marketing boss, and it's important to mention her, Connie Humphrey, she was, she said to me on the very first day, the most important things you need to do to be successful here and anywhere is to think critically to solve problems and communicate in writing and presentations. And I, I said, okay, that makes sense. And she gave me tools. She trained me. And I didn't think much of it until 10 years later while I was moving up in my career and I was doing the same thing that she had told me. And over the years, I've stayed in touch with her. And those are still the most important skills. But I, you know, I went down to Coke after working with her and I was brand manager Coke there for three years, moved back to the you know, work in the wine sphere business, became VP of marketing and uh, Cuddy Sark, dry sacked a bunch of brands. Then I switched to Saatchi and Saatchi and became uh, president of two small divisions there. Uh, and it was uh, called the Howard Marlboro Group. We did promotions. I had Miller. I brought in Hardee's. I brought in uh, Kellogg's. And then um, I also worked in this interactive division that had battery-operated displays to help you choose things. So it was in the, old, in the early days of uh, digital. And so then two guys and I started Manhattan Marketing Ensemble as a very different ad agency versus the typical agencies, because they always say, we like to do great work. And our position is, we want to do great work that works. And because we were three marketing guys. And so I was, um, you know, we built an agency over 27 years. I left and retired in 2016. And uh, two interesting things. One is we kept our clients a really long time because we helped their business. And the other thing is that we really focused on training the, the, the team. And I ended up being often uh, outsourced chief marketing officer to clients. So I did that 10 different times. So uh, the thing I noticed over all those years is children, children, students getting out of school that we hired every year, their writing and their thinking skills seem to be getting worse versus better. And so I was using what Connie taught me way back then to help train them. It's a very simple concept. You know, it's a basically a, a one-page, 10-step marketing brief that helps you think. And when I got out of school, I had read, um, got out of that retired, I had read this book called Who Moved My Cheese? Don't know if you've ever heard of it. And 
I thought it was brilliant because it was a fable about two mice and two men in a, in a maze. And I won't go through the whole thing, but it basically a short story that tells you things change. You need to learn to adapt. And I thought if I ever wrote a book, which I never thought I would do, I would use a fable. So when I retired, I said, you know what? I'm going to start thinking about this this book again because I feel like the need to teach critical thinking and communication and the power of this one-page marketing brief. So I wrote, get your ducks in a row. And it's a fable about ducks in business and the hero of the book. My first boss, Connie Humphrey, is Connie Duckfree. So that's my story. And I, and you know, you, you, I know you talk about legacy. When I left the agency, I said our greatest legacy was not all the brands and the businesses. Our greatest legacy was the the people that we had trained and moved on. And I realized so much of what we had done, actually Connie had helped with. And so now I look to, you know, try and I feel as a major issue out there, we can talk about that with some questions later. But my job and my focus for the rest of my career is to try and fix this issue with for thinking and writing and communications. Hopefully that That's, won't be wrong. No, that was great. That was great. That was fantastic. So first of all, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about the skills gap that that you're addressing. I would say, so my background is kind of all over the board, it, politics and then ministry and now, you know, legal work and, and definitely in the business world. And I would say across the board, that is what you're talking about. That skills gap exists in every industry across the board. Would you say that um, it affects certain industries more than others? Have you worked uh, with different types of businesses? Is there a specific type of business that you tend to help people with? What is kind of your your typical client that you work with? Well, I don't do the agency work as much anymore, but I've worked in a, a range of businesses. And these are two fundamental skills. It doesn't matter what business it is. People need to think right and communicate. And in fact, I'll give you snippets of research the top two skills that managers look for when hiring, according to a study by uh, Society of Human Resource Managers, is 75% of them said it's critical thinking followed by communication. Most important things you need. Then I found research in three different studies that said between 45 and 75% of the managers indicated that the recent grads they hire had poor critical thinking and communication skills. And so that's the skills gap. What's even wilder is that the in two of those studies, the young grads that work for those companies were asked to rate themselves, and two-thirds to 80% of them said they were totally proficient. So they don't even realize they have these issues. And I think it's a big problem. It goes beyond business. It's in any field. Critical thinking and communication are the most important things you do. And the problem is we don't teach it in, in the uh, education. Right. And so you've developed, so the goal is for you to really help business owners create a culture of communication. I love that phrase. So can you tell us a little bit about the four tools that you use for that? Sure. Well, the first thing I did is I, I wrote the first book, which is Get Your Ducks in a Row. I originally wanted to call it strategic writing, but the uh, Amazon consultant I had said you should call it business so you get into the business section of Amazon. So I did. But it's really about strategic writing. And really what it is, is when you're about to talk to somebody, the beauty of a marketing brief, which we all learned when we were young marketing people, is that you need to first think about this 10 steps. And why do you create a brief in the first place? To make it because the senior person's most precious resource is time. And so you need, it's the junior people that need to cut this down to the bare bones, the most important facts to be clear, concise, and compelling. So you start with who are you talking to? And so many people don't even start there. They use the same pitch for different people. It doesn't work. So you need to start with the purpose and what do you want them to do? 
give them context and go through those steps. So I realized that I could take those 10 steps, which I had to teach the young grads every single time we hired somebody. And I created a little story about it. It's, see, you read it an hour, you learn the 10 steps to uh, think, write, present, and sell. So that's kind of where I started. And then I finished and I had so many other ideas of things that helped me get to those 10 steps that I realized we're not teaching critical thinking. In fact, there were very few books on it. So I realized as I started writing all this appendix stuff, and I'm a brand guy, I'm like, this is terrible. It's boring. So I ended up saying, let me create a brand for it. And so I, wrote, I created the adapter method, learn the adapter method of problem solving and communication. And it stands for, it's an acronym, it stands for analyze, deduce, author, perform, tackle, evaluate, freeline. And I think the two of them together really help address that issue. Dan, I know you're full of questions. What question, What are your thoughts? So, you know, I know to really get the best answers, we need to buy your book, or maybe we need to hire you to come in for a few days and hang out with us. But I don't have that luxury today. So just in this in this podcast, I mean, if you if you came to my office and I assembled my team for you, can can you I mean, give me an idea of what, what would that be? How would you organize how would you structure your time? What would be the sequence of things that you would introduce to this team so that at the end of that process, you know, we would reach a new level of critical thinking skills? Well, that's a great question. And really what I did is after I wrote the books, I realized if I was to go in and do exactly what you asked, how would I do it? And, you know, I know that Steve Jobs and, and, uh, Jeff uh, Bezos, they don't like PowerPoint, but I think PowerPoint's a really powerful tool for teams. So what I did is I created a PowerPoint, which is tool number three, that you could actually, I could come in and you could train your team yourself. I wouldn't even have to be there or I could use that. And it walks through, give everybody, it tells them all the research that shows them that this is an issue and how important it is. So you start there and, and even evaluate how do we feel we do internally. And then say to them, now, there's a couple of steps, but the first step I want you to do, hand them the book and have them read it so that they can get a sense of what this 10-step marketing brief is. When they come back, then you not only do two things, you give them the uh, one-page form. This is our new format. So when we want to communicate something big as opposed to, okay, let's have a meeting next week, we want to try and explain something, go through these 10 steps understand who you're talking to. If they're talking to you, that's one thing. If they're talking to a client that's like this, that's another. But maybe you're talking to an organization, you have another, you know, you have to evaluate who you're talking to, provide the context, which is the second step, the background. And then you set, you know, what are the problems these people are trying to uh, identify? So a lot of what we do in marketing is we solve problems. So the purpose of this communication process is to solve problems. So I think the combination of the, the one page of form that everybody adapts, that everybody has to use so that we all think alike, will be hugely successful. And then the, the PowerPoint helps get them through it in, in the stage, presents to them why it's needed and how we should proceed. Yeah. So I, I know, I know you, you, you do some live consulting, right? That's part of Part of what you do, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so let me ask you: with, without revealing names or confidences, do you share some examples of results that you've been able to achieve by getting people focused around this process? What I can do is, I, I just launched this within the last few months, so I don't have that signed up yet. But what I can tell you is that I've been doing this so long that when I go into an organization, I'll put it to you this way: 
I've been hired 10 times to be the outsourced CMO for companies. And a lot of what I do in the first stage is I analyze their business and then I say to them, let's work around it this way. Of those 10 times, three of those people have hired me more than once and because I go in. And so that's part A. The other thing is my whole career since I've been on the agency side, my clients constantly are asking me to write, can you write this up for me? And so I think it's a very powerful tool. And, and even when I was writing something uh, recently to a you know, trying to reach out to libraries. I, I started with, okay, my purpose is this. Here's what the issues are out there. I explain the research. So it's a very simple process and I just know it works, but I can't can't point out names or, or, or tell you the results of it just yet. Yeah. So what do you think it is that, uh, I mean, do you have a theory about why you think critical thinking skills and writing skills are getting worse, not better? Absolutely. I and I, I I'm going to uh, uh, generate some ire from the education world. I think, but I didn't start this way. I I don't know anything about education in terms of other than we all go to school. But the more I dug into the research, what I found was first that teachers get very little training teaching writing, and it's, that was a very interesting. And so I and the way I found it is I give a dollar for book sold to the National Writing Project. And this is a 50-year-old organization of teachers teaching teachers teach writing because they admit they don't get taught to teach writing. They have very few classes. And these are the teachers. And then only like 50% enjoy teaching writing because they don't know how to do it. It's very hard. So the foundation here, my phrase is, to write is to think. So if we're not training people to write, even the teachers to teach writing, that's the foundational issue. Secondly, students get very little practice writing. Most of them, they don't do a lot of reports. Their tests are multiple choice. So you get no training, you get no practice. It's kind of no wonder that this isn't work. But then I was like, well, those are almost not causes, but they're part of the problem. What's the thing we're missing? And I believe I found the missing link. Because when you start out in a grade school, you learn descriptive, expository, and narrative writing. And they're great for you know, learning sentence structure and grammar and vocabulary and punctuation. Then you go to high school or junior high, and you learn about persuasive or argumentative. And those are important. They're the beginning of critical thinking. But what is it? It's an English teacher saying, here's option A, option B. Give me your three to five paragraphs to persuade me why you're right. Perfect. It's important. But that's where education and it doesn't teach what I refer to as strategic writing. What is strategic writing? Well, you need to start with reality and analyze the situation, identify problems, develop some objectives, and create solutions to achieve those objectives. That we don't teach. And that's what I had to teach every day. And that's really what the 10-step marketing brief does. So I think the problem is we don't teach critical, uh, we don't teach strategic writing. And I actually had a, I won't name names, but I have uh, friends with a principal here on Long Island who loved the books. And I sent them the concept of strategic writing, which I, I came up with after I wrote the books. And his comment was, this is great. He loves them. And he said, let me talk to the English department. And then I eventually caught up with him later. I didn't hear from him. I thought something's wrong. And his comment was, well, the English department said it's just like persuasive writing. And it occurred to me, it's not the English department's fault. They're not trained in business. They're not trained in strategic writing. But that's not, that's not critical. And the beauty of strategic writing, it forces you to think critically. A, B is the reason I quote the adaptive method is nobody teaches critical thinking. Do you remember the great course you had in critical thinking? You didn't have one. Right. So how do we, how do we expect people to get out of school and do it? Now everybody learns it eventually, or I should say everybody, but a lot of us learned it. Marketing, you have to learn. 
But I feel like there's this huge void and it's going on and on and on and nobody's dealing with it. So quick quick question there. Let me ask you, are there are there names that you could hold up as examples of people that are actually really good at this? Uh yeah, there's a lot of people. I, I think uh some of like the big names that everybody knows, Elon Musk and uh, Jeff Bezos. Now, Bezos has a whole different process. His whole thing is he doesn't want PowerPoints. He has his team write six-page memos and they start and they read it for a half an hour and then they discuss it. That's great for him when he can tell his team. But in the real world, you know, when you're dealing with a client, you can't say, okay, here's our presentation, read it for 50. Minutes and we'll get back to you. But those two guys, they think critically. Jobs was amazing. He was constantly going back and and thinking and then moving forward. So I think some of the more successful people, you realize that's what they do. You know, I think Elon Musk calls it first principle. Get down to the the core. And I kind of view that the lack of teaching strategic writing is that first principle problem. We're just not doing it. Yeah, makes sense to me. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's see. With all the different people and organizations that you've worked with, if you had one bit of wisdom or experience that you could uh, share with our listeners, what would that be? Oh, I would say, you said it before, is to focus on it, make it a priority to create a culture of communication. I think that's the, you know, the, uh, some of the numbers that are out there, and I, it wasn't hard to find the problems with critical thinking communication. Just Inc. Magazine had three articles. $400 billion a year being lost due to poor writing skills, $37 billion being lost due to mistakes, due to poor communication skills. And now the big companies are spending $3 billion to address remedial writing training. So that's a big deal. So if everybody just said, we need to communicate better, and here's a form, you know, it's here's a format, it's 10 steps. It's frankly, the beauty of it, it's kind of fill in the blanks. And it forces you to think. And then I, I, what I preach is get it down to one page. The beauty of getting it down to one page is I, I'm not a grammarian. And I'm, you know, I, the beauty of word is it tells me when I spell things wrong and I need a comma somewhere. But the, my focus is get, try to be precise with keywords and concise with key phrases. If you focus on that, I love bullet points. Quick, quick, quick. You need that person to look at that thing and in, in in two minutes, read it and be able to the senior person and respond. So I just don't think we teach the basics. Um, you know, I'm a terrible golfer. I'm a guitarist. You learn things. I'm a much better guitarist, as my friends say, than I am a golfer. And, but you, you have to have that foundation. And we don't teach that foundation. Absolutely. I love, I think that's my favorite quote so far from you, Jim, is be precise with your keywords and concise with your, your key phrases. I love that. I think that's a great kind of summary and a great template for a way to think about things. Cool. <laughs> lots of wisdom, lots of wisdom for our listeners. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want our listeners to know? Well, where I where I am now and as a marketing person, and I can't say I've been selling tons of books. So Amazon, the interesting thing is that the people that need to get better at business writing, they don't know they need to get better at business writing. So they're not looking on Amazon for it. The people that want to get business writing are tip and buy business writing books are typically senior people who already know how to think. And I've read the top six business books, uh, business writing books. They're very tactical, interestingly. They don't tell you the straight, they, you know, don't use these kind of words. And, and I thought it was very interesting. They're all good. They're written by very smart people and they're selling like crazy, much better than my book, but they don't focus there. 
So what I had to figure out is, okay, so if the people that need it aren't going there, I tried some ads on Facebook, that stuff, and they're kind of looking at it. But what occurred to me, and the reason I decided I'm the only one who's going to be able to sell this, so I hired a speaker's agency, which was part of Rob Cosberg, and it's to go out and talk to executives and say to them that it's too hard to get in top down from the organizations. It's really hard to get into education. I don't know how to get into the education world. And they have so many state regulations and all that stuff. That's not going to happen in my lifetime. I'm 68. You know, it's, it's not enough time. But if I go out and talk to executives and what I'm saying in the, in the, the title of my, um, my speech is join the mentor movement to fix the missing link in education costing corporations billions and frankly, hurting executive growth. So I'm going out and my, my goal, I was actually thinking about this morning, is I'm going to, when I'm being paid to speak someplace, I'm giving out a copy of the first book for free. And what I want them to do is I want them to read it, write their name in the top and pass it along. Give it to somebody that can use it. Connie was such an important part of my life in a funny way, you know, this first boss. I know we're still 45 years later, we're still in touch. And, you know, if, if a good person said, I can make a difference. And with this person, they deserve to know this. They just don't know they don't know it. And give them that book. And then when they finish, ask them to give it to somebody else. That's to me, it's like, let's just start being mentors. Let's try and make a difference. I mean, I, you know, you just, I'm a businessman, so I'd like to, it to do well. But if I can, you guys talk about legacy. If I can look back and say, I helped put a dent and reduce those, that skills gap, that's not a bad way to leave the world. That would be a pretty decent legacy, I would say. Agreed. Well, thank you everyone for listening. This has been the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Our guest today was Jim Rowe. For more information on Jim or to access the tools and resources we talked about today, you can visit getyourducksinarow.com and that's row with an E. We'll also link it for you in the show notes. Jim, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate the invite. Nice to meet you both. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.